In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Live Radio 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Wednesday evening where we continue our reflections into this special topic of mercy. And uh, before we continue our reflections into the corporal works of mercy, I did want to offer up a couple other reflections, the first of which was a salute, really, to one Mother Angelica who passed away this past Sunday, on Easter Sunday. Um, For all of you listeners out there who are faithful watchers of EWTN, the Eternal Word Television Network, that Catholic global television network, you know who she is, the founder of EWTN, a woman who has impacted millions of lives. And that's not an exaggeration because EWTN goes into millions of homes. So she has impacted millions of lives. You have heard me talk about Mother Teresa and the Corporal Works of Mercy. Well, there's another mother, and that's Mother Angelica. And we've come to know her through the spiritual works of mercy. Now, now I'm going to speak much more to Mother Angelica when we start getting into the spiritual works of mercy, but I did just want to um, recognize her a woman who has impacted so many of us. You know, how about the fact that she died on Easter Sunday? How about that? As John talks about uh, the resurrection, the first day, the new day, the day that was unlike any other in history, because it was, because it was the day that we say, He is risen. Three words that have shaped Christianity forever. He is risen. And so it is right, a woman of her stature, of her humble, saintly stature, would die on Easter Sunday. Because as many have already shared, (laughs) in all probability, um, she is enjoying her heavenly rest, as on Easter Sunday, she would have been welcomed into the heavenly Jerusalem. Amen to her, her life, and her suffering, you know, for the last 15 years of her life, she embraced redemptive suffering, something we're actually going to talk about here this evening. While her very life was a pronouncement to the spiritual works of mercy, I don't think for a second she neglected the corporal works of mercy. Um, as we can say in a similar way, as Mother Teresa's life was about the corporal works of mercy, and there was a certain pronouncement to the corporal works of mercy, don't think for a second she neglected the spiritual works of mercy. What we're talking about as it relates to Mother Teresa and Mother Angelica are charisms, huh? gifts to the church so as to better understand these two different modes of mercy, that is the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. Okay, so up to this point, we have touched upon the first three corporal works of mercy. Feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, and shelter the homeless. But before we engage the next corporal work of mercy, I do want to pause here and briefly reflect into service. We call our, our Lord's words in Mark ten forty five: For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Isn't it interesting, my friends? You know, 
we want to be first in everything we do in the, the realm and, and world of competition. Well, why not be the first to step forward within our local community and lead that next service project? Why not be the first to initiate the next fundraising drive that might help those who have less? The irony here, and it really strikes me, is that we must first count ourselves, not first, but second. <laughs> you see, the problem is, I think we get in the way of ourselves. So busy we are, yours truly included in this admonishment, <laughs> that other does not find their way into our heart. And by other, I mean <laughs> the person who is within our circle. We need to pull back. What is that virtue that I like to talk about? Recollection. We need to recollect, hit the pause button in our life and retreat so as to be able to ask God, is this what you want me to do? There are so many in need. We have to go to God. God, how do you want me to be at your service? I was just talking about uh, Mother Angelica in all probability entering into her heavenly rest where she will now worship for all eternity. If we wish to attain the same heavenly rest that we might worship for all eternity, we must start counting ourselves second. Huh? Second. But if you're going to be first, <laughs> let it be leading that next project where you will be helping those most in need. Amen to that. Now, as it relates to uh, corporal work of mercy number four, visit and comfort the sick. Once again, a work of mercy that comes straight from the Bible, Matthew 25, verse 36, I was sick and you visited me. You know, those who are sick are often forgotten or, or avoided. In spite of their illness, as in the other corporal works of mercy we have been talking about, these individuals still have much to offer us if we just take time to visit and comfort them. Here I want to turn our attention to St. John Paul II, <clears throat> reflecting into his own pastoral visits while in Krakow. St. John Paul II offers for us both a personal testimony and rich insight into this work of mercy, comfort the sick. He said this, I have always been very conscious of the fundamental importance of what the suffering contribute to the life of the church. I remember that at the beginning, the sick intimidated me. Isn't that interesting? The sick intimidated me. I needed a lot of courage to stand before a sick person and enter, so to speak, into his physical and spiritual pain, not to betray discomfort and to show at least a little loving compassion. Only later did I begin to grasp the profound meaning of the mystery of human suffering. In a sense, the sick provoke mercy. Striking line, the sick provoke mercy. He would go on, through their prayers and sacrifices, they not only ask for mercy, but create a space for mercy, or better, open up spaces for mercy. By their illness and suffering, they call forth acts of mercy and create the possibility for accomplishing them. I would entrust the needs of the church to the prayers of the sick, and the results were always positive. Isn't that interesting? You know, my friends, if you are someone like me who in the past has certainly struggled with visiting the sick, how hopeful is it to hear that a saint like John Paul II had his own struggles with visiting the sick? Now, that being said, 
we are to appreciate something else here. The discovery he made on the other side of that struggle, right? In this case, the discovery of the strength of mercy. When we comfort the sick, we leave the comfort of our pride. Because to spend time with those who are sick calls us to what? Forget ourselves. God's grace has a way of carrying us along. And before we know it, we are drawing from the riches of his very life, huh? Suddenly, we have walked through new doors and traveled down new avenues. Doors and avenues, my friends, that lead to sanctity and holiness. Could we not say that on some level, at some point in our life, all of us have been touched by, as St. John Paul II would call it, the strength of mercy? I mean, take, for example, the events of 911. Before 911, so few of us went about our day thinking about the people of New York. And suddenly, there we were on 911, so many of us wanting to help the people of New York. Or in another example, maybe we see or experience a loved one going through something that is excruciating and we are compelled to help them in whatever way possible. Do whatever is necessary. You see, the strength of mercy has a way of moving us. It has a way of, we could say, encouraging us to leave the comfort of our pride so that we might be with another as they suffer. Brothers and sisters, we are at our best when we discover the strength of mercy, the strength of Jesus that is inside of us. We read in the gospel text that Jesus was walking by someone in need and he had pity on them. When you translate that Greek, it speaks to mercy, being gripped by mercy. Have you ever been gripped by something? Something that when you saw it, it just grabbed your attention. You couldn't do anything about it. It just gripped you, huh? Are we gripped by the poor? Are we gripped by those who are sick? This is where Jesus has so much to teach us. Because in his very life, anytime he saw someone in need, he was gripped by it. He had pity on them. Do we have pity on others? the way Jesus had pity on others. Something to think about. What else could we say about this corporal work of mercy? Well, let us remember that the sick are just not those in the hospital bed, right? But those who might be struggling with an addiction. Maybe it's an addiction to cocaine. Maybe it's a, an addiction to painkillers. Maybe it, it's an addiction to alcohol or sex. There are all sorts of addictions that are sicknesses, and we don't even need to go to a hospital. Sometimes the most important visits we can make is to another's home. So when we think about this corporal work of mercy, don't reduce it to just the hospital. Because if we're going to follow through on what Pope Francis has called for, that the church would be a field hospital, we need to see and appreciate that wherever we go, wherever we go, whether it be to a neighbor's house, downtown, or maybe even to a mall, there's going to be sick. Are we going to enter into that mode of living where anywhere and everywhere we go is a hospital? Now, there is something else here we should touch upon, and that is redemptive suffering. 
with tact and not losing our sense of compassion. We ought to encourage those who are sick to unite their sufferings with the sufferings of Christ, huh? There is great power in uniting our sufferings to the suffering of Christ. Remember that Jesus answers the problem of suffering not by removing it, but by giving it redemptive power. Christ did not suffer on the cross as an antidote to human pain and agony, but to give us an example of how to suffer with God. What is the passage that we read from Colossians 1.24? Maybe some of you out there are asking the question right here and now. Oh, come on, Joe, what are you talking about right now? We don't need to offer up our suffering. We don't need to unite our suffering. What's done is done. huh? We celebrate Easter Sunday for a reason. It is finished. Well, let's go to sacred scripture. What do we read in Colossians 1.24? Listen to Paul. And if this is the first time you've heard Colossians 1.24, pay close attention. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I complete what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of the body, that is, the church. Let me read that again. If you're hearing this for the first time, maybe this is taking you back. And, and maybe you're thinking right now, well, that's just a mistranslation. No, no, no. This comes from the RSV, which for my money does the best job in translating the original text. Now, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I complete what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. So what is Paul talking about here? Well, there is a redemptive quality to our sufferings when we unite our suffering to Christ. This phrase, lacking in Christ's afflictions, we were just reflecting into what this looked like on Good Friday, were we not? How can there be anything possibly lacking in that kind of suffering? Well, there wasn't anything so much lacking in Christ's afflictions as so much what is lacking in what? the body, the church, and how we are called to share in Christ's mission. This is why he says, for the sake of his body, that is the church. What is going on here? You know, I have four kids, and as a father, if there is anything, and there are many things, <laughs> but if there's anything that gives me the most joy, it is when one of my children one of my sons or daughters, does something for their sibling, for his or her brother or sister, right? I have a fresh example in my mind. Uh, my oldest son is 10 years old, and my children have chores. My daughter had her chore, and my son had his chore, right? Well, I got home from being out for a while, and I saw that my son was finishing my daughter's chore, which was quite a bit of work in the backyard. And as I was watching him work in the backyard, finishing the chore of his younger sister, I was just kind of marveling. But that's not why I tell the story. He came inside and I asked him the simple question, you know, I see that you're doing um, your, your sister's chore. And he says to me, you know, dad, she's not feeling very well. And I just thought it was the right thing to do. And I said, you're right, buddy. It was the right thing to do. It was the generous thing to do, and thank you for doing it. And uh, I said, you know, it was a lot of hard work, wasn't it? He says, 
yeah, it was a lot of hard work. It kind of hurt me when I was doing this and that, but it was worth it because, you know, Avila's sick, his sister. And I just looked at him and I thought, gosh, there he was, <laughs> out of the goodness of his heart, offering up in his own 10-year-old little way his time to do something for his sister. And let me tell you something. As his father, I have never been so happy or so overjoyed. And it just makes me want to pour out my love for him, more love for him. This is what happens when we offer to God our suffering for the sake of our brother or sister in Christ. God the Father just wants to continue to pour out His goodness, pour out His love. And what's more, when you're doing something for someone else in that way, offering the the gift of your time, offering the gift of your suffering in this context, there's something that happens in your own life. You become more united to that person. So when we are offering up our sufferings to Christ, what is happening in a very subtle way sometimes is we are drawing closer to the very person that we are offering our suffering for, certainly closer to Jesus Christ, but also the brother or sister in Christ you are offering your suffering for. So something rich to be thinking about as we continue to reflect into this corporal work of mercy. Now, what are more ways that we can concretely participate in this corporal work of mercy? Spend time volunteering at a nursing home. You have heard me harp on this before. I just simply can't speak to it enough. People dying in loneliness is one of the great tragedies. What is the tag word for the new evangelization? Encounter. Brothers and sisters, encounter, encounter, encounter. And be engaging when you're at the nursing home, huh? Get creative and and make use of your talents in these nursing homes. Maybe you have a beautiful voice, sing. Maybe you have a, a gift for the arts, paint. Even if it's something as simple as reading, I don't care how old you are, you love to be read to, huh? So these are things we can be thinking about when we go to the convalescent home. So encounter the resident, but also be creative with, with what God has entrusted you with in your talent, huh? God really asks us to use our gifts and talents. What's more, we can also look around our local neighborhoods, huh? Is there anyone who is elderly on your block? Make a new friend today. You know, the elderly have much wisdom to pass on to us. I love to talk to some of the elderly in my local neighborhood because what I find is just a treasure of insights into just not spiritual matters, but also practical matters. They've been there. They've done that. Pick their brain, huh? And in so doing, be present to them. The elderly love a listening ear. They love a listening ear. So if you have someone on your block who you notice doesn't have a friend or you notice is alone a lot, make a new friend today. It can go a long, long way. And if you are doing that, be assured you are entering into this fourth corporal work of mercy. We ought to also consider our parish communities here, huh? Ask around. Is there a hospitality committee in your local parish? Maybe see if someone is doing anything for moms who have just delivered a a baby. Maybe start a meal chain. I know this was huge for us in our own community and went a long way in building up new relationships. 
we have four children, and I'll tell you, in each case, there was a meal chain set up. And it wasn't just about us not having to cook a meal. That was nice. But it was also about the building up of friendships. And in some cases, new ones. You're probably thinking to yourself right now, gosh, you're talking about this a lot, the, this, this new friendship piece. Well, I am because the corporal works of mercy is very much about new friendships. There are many things we can do if we just start counting ourselves second. The reason why I opened up with a reflection into service is because none of this takes place, none of these corporal works of mercy, if we don't start counting ourselves second. Okay, how about this fifth corporal work of mercy? Visit the prisoners. Again, we return to Matthew 25, 36. I was in prison and you came to me. Did you know (laughs) that there are more prisons in the United States than there are colleges? Think about that. There are more prisons in the United States than there are colleges. The total number of inmates as of 2010 totaled an estimated 2.3 million people. 2.3 million people. Wow. And we should always remember, my friends, that in God's infinite love, the greater the sinner, the greater the right he has to God's mercy. Well, how can we say that? God's mercy is attracted to brokenness. We talked about that in the opening week. God's mercy is attracted to brokenness. There is so much humiliation. There is so much shame. There is so much brokenness in prison. What we are always to remember is that people in prison are still people made in the image and likeness of God. And no matter what someone has done, they deserve the opportunity to hear the word of God and find the truth of the message of Jesus Christ. So it is. We have to ask Jesus the same question we have been asking throughout our reflections into these corporal works of mercy. How do you want me to get involved? Maybe you feel like you don't have the charism to reach the imprisoned. Don't sell yourself short. Take it to our Lord. You never know what God might ask from you. And if you are feeling that you just can't do it, maybe start up a prayer ministry for the imprisoned and see if there is any other material way you can get involved. Brothers and sisters in Christ, prison is a place of great darkness, but also great light. There have been many great conversions in prison. Because it is that place where people hit rock bottom. And when you hit rock bottom, it has a way of just kind of opening you up to something new. And we need to be interceding for those who are in that place that they might see the great light. Here I cannot help but think of one Ted Bundy. And if you're over 35 years old, you certainly know who Ted Bundy is. Ted Bundy was the rapist and murderer of many women. He was sent to the chair on January 24th, 1989. But just before he was sent to his death, he gave an interview to one Dr. Dobson. And if you've never watched that interview between Ted Bundy and Dr. Dobson, 
If you have the stomach for it, I really encourage you to watch that interview. It's really just a few clicks away on YouTube. I sat and I watched it again. And let me tell you something. It is, what was that word I was saying earlier? Gripping on so many levels because there he was just pouring out his soul, explaining to Dr. Dobson why he did what he did. And it wasn't this last cry, please don't put me to death. No, in his own words, he saw that he deserved what he was getting. But he was trying to reach an audience to tell people why he did what he did. And so he spoke at great lengths to his addiction to pornography and how it got worse and worse and worse. And how that addiction led to um, what he ended up doing with the many women and, and, and the murders and whatnot. He also spoke of repentance. And I could not tell you how gripping that was. You know, I just talked about how God's mercy reaches to those who are most in need. None of us can play God. None of us can make a judgment on a soul. We know that. But I tell you what, as I stood there and listened to this man speak, he sounded like a a very contrite, penitent soul. And I was just overwhelmed by his willingness. And again, I don't know the fate of this man. But it would surprise me not that in the infinite ocean of God's mercy, if we ever make it to our own heavenly rest, heavenly worship, that we might find Ted Bundy there. Because inside that man was a heart that had changed. Was a heart that had changed. Something to think about, huh? For us as we talk about this need to visit the imprisoned. Um, because you never know the impact we will make. One of the things that Ted Bundy talked about was how certain people impacted him. You never know what kind of seed we might plant inside of someone with a, a smile, with a lending hand, with a story that you share, whatever it might be. Be open. And uh, again, get involved. Get involved. Do something. This is what God is asking from us. Do something and do it with love. All right, let us close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do just give you a special thanks and praise for the gift of this time together, a time where we have had the opportunity to reflect into the richness of your mercy, that no one sin is so great that you cannot forgive. Because there, as you stood on the cross, you said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, and you gave your life for that sin. And so we pray, we intercede on behalf of one another, that the richness of your mercy might pour into our hearts. Amen. And we pray as you taught us, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And God bless you.
Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.